Willowbrook is a restored village in Maine. It was a required field trip for all fourth graders to go on, I think like statewide. And so I was really pumped because I heard that with the recreation, they had a penny candy shop. And so my parents gave me a dime to just go haywire at. And that was like the really the whole point of the whole day for me was to get to that shop at the end of the the tour, Um, get some uh, honey straws or something, just go ham. Oh, they had those old strawberry candies, you know, that you can only find at old people's houses. And like, they had tons of them. The strawberry, strawberry. exactly. They don't exist anywhere outside like your Nana's apartment, (laughs) but they were at Willowbrook. I didn't know anything about ghosts. Like, I didn't grow up with, like, in the haunted house full of, like, tons of stories. No one really talked about anything extra normal in my life whatsoever. Like, the closest thing I had was Power Rangers. was fantasy to me. But at Willowbrook, um, they have different homes there. And you can either tour through, like, a regular, you know, Joe Schmo's house or the doctor's house and then a bunch of different places around town, like the blacksmith or the newspaper, which I thought was really cool uh, to learn that, like, uppercase actually came from an uppercase of tiles mind blown as a fourth grader but what also was really cool was in the doctor's house they had all kinds of uh, paraphernalia from that time period too so my class walked all the way through the first floor was like his um his office where they had this electrical machine where you hold on to it and they crank this little generator on the side and it sparks electricity through anyone who's holding it so they had the whole class hold hands like a van de graaff generator and you could just feel your wrist pop i yeah like it's kind of weird now that i'm thinking about it retroactively that teachers would have just like let like the fourth grade kids just do that because who knows like it was just a little bit of electricity but like i feel like nowadays that would have just been like a no-no if you get home it's like my my teacher electrocuted me with a really old object today mom it was so cool it was items like that that i thought were really cool were in the house so like i was honed in at that moment and super invested in like what else is the 1800s like There's a lot of other cool stuff there. There was like a carousel um, that was steam generated that went like, doesn't sound like fast, but it was like 15 to 20 miles an hour, which is, that's some G's when you're on a carousel. So like we wanted to go ride that and they wouldn't let us. Old fashioned pickles pickles and the carousel. And I remember they had the old organ grinder that was up on it and like his head would rotate as that he would grind the organ and play the music. There's just this one point where it kind of lop off a little bit and then like it would pick itself back up like an old zombie movie and then rotate around, stare at you with just dead white eyes and lop off again. These are all memories that just built up inside of myself of like Willowbrook is the most haunted place in the world. wasn't until we went upstairs and there was this very skinny hallway where there were bedrooms on each side and at the end of the hallway was the the recreated toy room they had just um a bunch of artifacts and stuff like that scattered all around from the time period you know the old ducks that you pull with the string and yo-yos and stuff like that couldn't go near any of it because they had a velvet rope but in the left hand corner of the room there was this painting and it was just of this little girl and there was like a sandy dirt road behind her and it was in a frame and it wasn't anything spooky or like what you would think would be bizarre at all it was just a little girl and it gave me a i'm doing quotes now (laughs) it gave me a weird feeling 
um, which I can now equate to like something else, you know, like I understand what that gut feeling means. It's usually means like something's about to happen. The memory's a little bit hazy at this point, but I just remember like staring at it and being like scared, unable to move, but not because I was scared and intrigued at the same time. And so like just being like, why is this painting so cool in my mind and scary and weird? And what is that feeling? And like when I was, I guess, done with it, my classmate came back in the room, tapped me on the shoulder and said that the tour had moved on. And I didn't even know that anyone had left, you know, like it was just, I was staring at this painting and the whole tour, including my teacher, again, I'm retrospective thinking like that was terrible that they left me behind. I'm having a lot of revelations right now <laughs> of this, this fourth grade teacher. Um, and so she took me through the last hallway and down uh, a few stairs where they were talking about like going into the kitchen at that point. And I asked the tour guide what was wrong with the picture in the toy room. And I'll never forget that the, the tour guide had this weird look that I've since seen now doing haunt me of where people are surprised but then like devilish at the same time because they're if they want to tell you a story you see that weird grin and she looked at me and we went all the way back up to the toy room and she um pointed to the only picture in the room and said that picture and it's like yeah that one she said that she was intrigued that i picked up on it because that painting has a weird story story is that this family had been living in a town, again, not Willowbrook because they had just inherited all of these artifacts, but had been living in a town where I think it was scarlet fever or yellow fever. Something had had gone through the town um, and affected a lot of the population, including their little daughter. She had died two weeks prior to, to this moment when a traveling artist came through town and knocked on their door. The artist asked if he could paint their daughter, and they um, told him that the daughter had passed and they had recently buried her. And the, what you know struck me as that kid as being, now we're in the freaky zone, is the salesman said, I know. The parents didn't understand. They were like, well, we don't have any photos of her. Like, we have no likeness of our daughter. And again, he said, I know. I want to give you one. And so they agreed. He offered to paint them a a perfect likeness of their daughter for free. And he did. He gave it to them and left town. And that's, I guess, my first experience with the paranormal is what the tour guide called the painting after death. My first weird feeling. think about it a lot to the point where getting older getting a car having nothing to do in Maine um, and meeting Ashley who was one of the founding people of Haunt Me Ash was like that's definitely a haunted painting like let's get in there let's like face your fears and I want to like document it and so we were like let's just go back like this isn't just something that fourth graders are only allowed to do let's go check this out Bought our ticket, we ate old-fashioned pickles, and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I want to go see the painting. Like, it it had almost built up over all those years to become this gargantuan moment in my life when I it just needed to distill down to be what it actually was. It was set up 
almost the same as it had been when I was in fourth grade, like 20 years prior. The whole room is just spewing with toys, and in the corner was the painting. The velvet rope was there too. And so I had <laughs> I had Ashby look out, and I pushed the rope aside, and I went up to the painting, and I grabbed it, and I said, you don't scare me, and I walked away. It was really like it, a lesson in my own life of like elevating an entire quote-unquote village to a level that definitely didn't deserve it because I was too afraid to see the truth. And like going back and grabbing that picture and telling it it didn't scare me when that wasn't even its objective. Like who knows what's up with the, the painting, you know, like it could just have some energy attached to it. It could have just been something for me. All of these things could be possibilities of what this painting was, but what I had done to it is I had created the most haunted object in the world in fourth grade. And then it took me going back to be like, cool, I'm gonna go have another pickle. And that is just, you know, like facing your fears incarnate right there. Jim Perry, and you are listening to Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. On this edition, sometimes a haunting is no more than a reminder of how much we are loved. Ty Gowan, the blessed and the haunted, next on Euphemet. After exploring the vast shadowy body of St. Dominic's Church in Portland, Maine, paranormal investigator and cast member for the web series Haunt Me, Ty Gowan and I find ourselves retired among the pews. On this day, the altar reflects stories of ghosts and of days gone by, our lives as they were, the people we loved, and how they are still very much with us. So my grandmother, her name was Orleans Jeffers. She was our family's matriarch, and she was probably one of my favorite people I'll ever meet in this lifetime. She loved us grandkids unconditionally to the point where it's like, some people have like really weird memories of having to go to their grandmother's house. And like growing up for me, it was the biggest reward of when we would be able to go to Nana's house. Uh, she had like a pool so it was like three times a week you know my mom uh, was a stay-at-home mom and she would just grab me and my my brother and we'd go to the pool and like the best days were when my cousins were doing that at the same time so you'd be sitting by the pool and then just swaths of kids splashing around in the water and then my grandmother would come out of the house with like this glass uh, vase of mystery drink that she had like found different pieces of sugar products in, in the cabinet and mixed them together and called it lemonade but it was not a yellow color you know and like she'd come out with snacks and everything like that and you'd be like so pumped to drink whatever was in there you know because Nana made it and it was going to be awesome and sugar packed she always had your back. She was always someone that you could bounce ideas off of. She was staunchly Christian. Any questions that I asked, she would give me like just straight on answers of like what the Bible said without spin of like a church. So I wouldn't consider myself indoctrinated in any religion, 
but my nana taught me those those things like to the point where like when my my mom tried to enroll me into uh church with her one time because she was like you know other families do this <laughs> we should probably give it a try i get kicked out of sunday school that day because i was asking too many questions and not <laughs> and not receiving the nana answers that i was looking for i was receiving like kid watered down play school christian answers and i was asking some deep jesus questions so so i went back to uh, the nana church after that because it was just anything that I wanted to know about spirituality or or Christianity or anything like that, she shared it with a filter of love. Every Christmas that we ever had was at my grandmother's house, and even when she didn't have any money, she would still, you know, save everything that she could to pour it into her grandkids and her kids around a Christmas tree with a big dinner and, like, a warm house. Bankrupt herself once a year to make sure that everyone was happy and those are some of the it's not the material parts about that that matter but like being who I am now knowing that that's what someone is willing to do to share their love with with you is really the memories that I hold of her for for stuff like that in 2015 she passed away and since then my my family's kind of fractured without um, the matriarch holding us all together it was kind of like almost natural that everyone realized that in my large, large family that she loved and held us all together. Um, without her, it, it was just this, it wasn't really sad, but people just faded away. Um, and it's it just stuff like being, being around her and, you know, like understanding what a role model means is really important for me to know going out into my life and being able to, walk in like an eighth of her shadow you know and because of that it was like one of the cool coolest things that I can thank my family for is that um they knew that me and my grandmother had a very special relationship and like I loved her to death and so when she did pass away they let me be the one by her bed to hold her hand um and even now it's been years it's still still hurts in a good way to bring it up so I don't I don't mind um so that that is why this story that I'm about to tell you is so impactful and important because I don't think that without those details it would mean as much on haunt me i think it was season four um we we are going back into a place called the the vassabro mill agent house special thing for season four was that on every other episode that we would do we would revisit a place from seasons one through three that we felt that we left too soon or there was unfinished business there so again the casper effect and, and we're going in to try to finish what we had left on undone we asked three experts to come with us that could help us further our investigation. For the Vassaboro Mill Agent House, um, there were so many spirits that are rumored to be there, and we had so many bizarre encounters there the first time that it was really overwhelming. And like to even put together the tactics of what we should have been doing, we were way out of our league to be like, 
what is actually happening here? Are we having conversations with one spirit and three more trying to butt in? Like there was this this spirit of a sea captain that we had all brought uh, little nips of alcohol for and, you know, like just trying to elicit something and it was going wild. So because of the amount of activity that we had and the lack of direction there, we had um, Chip Coffee, who's a psychic medium, help us out to discern who's there, who wants to speak to us, why and what's going on. And so we Skyped Chip in and me not really understanding how his talents work, I was like, can you read a house that's, you know, most of the eastern seaboard away from where you currently live uh, over Skype to us right now on this night before we go in? Um, And he was like, yeah, no problem. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, cool. So that's how that works. And so he, he read the house for us on Skype. And was telling us about the different spirits that were there um, and what we should look out to. And then it was just kind of weird, like something changed. And then he said that another spirit was coming through. Its name was Sam Samuel or Samson. And he had been there the first time that we went there. But he wasn't a resident of the house. He was a traveler spirit. Um, And he had shown up the first time to reach out to us, but we missed him. And when we go back, Chip was certain that he would... Sam would show up as well. Sam was a African American in life who in the 1800s Maine like it Maine is a white state. So I can't imagine the life of an African American in the 1800s being very easy here even without segregation or anything like that. I can't imagine it was went well. When we asked why why Samson is still here what he needs from us, Chip paused and he, I remember him saying that Samson was religious and didn't believe he deserved hell but knew he didn't deserve heaven and that was really weird for me to hear you know like because again if we go back to my grandmother's like teachings or whatever that doesn't happen you know like you either go to heaven or hell in christianity and like the paranormal side of it is like well most of the time right and when there's the mess paranormal people study that and they try to clean it up you know And so for him to be a a spirit telling Chip that he doesn't deserve one or the other and he's stuck, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe there's something we can do. So I asked Chip, like, what, in his opinion, you know, can he ask the spirit what we could do to help him? And Chip got emotional and started crying on Skype. And it was just very, the whole experience was very strange for me to see it unfolding. But then Chip collected himself and he said that all Samson wanted was for someone to pray with him and I think Carol was like oh okay we can do that but it hit me like a ton of bricks and I can when I watch the episode back I can almost see my eyes like trying to pretend like the thoughts that are racing through my head aren't happening because I know that I'm on camera you know that type of thing what hit me was that I realized when my grandmother passed away again with the family kind of fracturing the way that it did and people not getting along as well as they probably should have a lot of my grandmother's physical belongings went into a storage bin and in storage they stayed that way until the family could emotionally deal with the fact that she was gone and had left behind so many things that people have so much attachment to and dole them out fairly among the siblings, you know, of people who probably, you know, fairly weren't getting along so well at that moment. So instead of dealing with that, they sat for like a year or so 
All I asked for in the months after she passed away was um, her Bible. She had many of them, uh, so like I didn't want to just take like the matriarch's Bible, you know. But there was this one that I remembered because when I was growing up, we'd have sleepovers in the morning. Like she'd make breakfast, and like me or me and my cousins would sit around the table, and she'd read us a psalm. And it was always from this like maroon book that had like the binding was taped up, and there was just like bookmarks on almost every page, which kind of defeats the purpose. But what I remember like most about it is like in the top right-hand corner. There's this sticker of this like little imp devil. It's actually like really cute looking at it, and it has like a, like a stop sign no through it, and it says, um, "Devil, you are stopped in your tracks." And like it always kind of fascinated me, being like, "Oh, like this sticker has like more faith than like a lot of people out there," you know? Like, and so it, it was. I don't know. It was just kind of cool, and that's the Bible that like we'd always read from. So I remember. After she passed away, I I asked my mom. I was like, "This is all I want. Like, I don't like, I don't want these like antiques, and I don't want the things that you know don't have any sentimental value. But like, I just want things that remind me of her, and especially that. That would be my big item. And it was kind of like, a, I'll try, but probably don't get your heart set on it because it's it's a big deal, you know. And we'll just leave it at that. But to my mom's credit, you know, like I, I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I know she went through a lot of hell trying to work through the grieving process while trying to uh, align all these material pro- uh, items. But the the long and short of it, there before I get into too many details, is the fact that like two days before this chip call, which is a year and a half after my grandmother passes away, I get a call from my mom that um, my uncle, who was um, running the estate, had wanted to release the Bible to my possession. Which, again, is such bizarre timing when you think about it. It's like I've waited this long. And then just two days before the Skype with Chip, which is three days before the actual investigation, the book is given to me. And then Chip tells me that the spirit just wants prayer. And this is the only book that I've ever prayed with, you know? This is that, that's the actual object. So when he mentioned that to us, I knew in my gut that I was like, okay, I'm bringing the book that night. It, I didn't, I don't think I told anybody. I, I don't think I did, but I, I did bring the book and I kept it with me as we spent all night looking for the spirit and like investigating and looking for a specific person is like literally impossible you do the best that you can with what's going on there so we spent all night looking for Sam or Samuel or Samson Chip also told us that he walks with a limp so that we were like had recorders everywhere to try to see if we could pick up footfalls and figure out where he was this place is a mansion so like we were going floor by floor room by room all of my tech was set out anywhere that I could like put it so like any room that I wasn't in had like an alarm in it so that if something tripped it we could go and we were getting some really cool activity throughout the whole night but nothing like that specialized itself as the spirit that was looking for us so like it was really frustrating cool that we were getting activity bizarre we're like down to the point that we were asking the the other spirits that we were 
may or may not have been contacting to like go get him like like this is why we're here your your story's cool too and we want to help you out if you want but like this dude is like this is who we're looking for and we were there for hours and we had a hard out because the family in the one part of the building that we were going to was um, agreed to leave while we were there and was coming back at 1230 at night and it was now midnight and we had nothing and so I remember sitting with the whole team um, in the hallway um, in in the front building and we were just asking you know if there's anyone around you know please touch one of these objects or let us know some way that you feel comfortable that you're here or please go get Samson and eventually um, I, I don't remember who said it it could have might have even been me but someone said we have to go this is our last chance please reach out to us if you're here Samson and one of the EMF detectors started going off in the next room I had um, earlier in the day I had tied it around a wardrobe that was at the top of the staircase in this in this building because our night vision cameras could shoot down the hallway enough and it could see it there you know so theoretically anywhere we were in the building if we could see the light going off if we couldn't hear the blinking and so it's going off and we're like oh my gosh this could be it and so we're we're saying you know we stood up and we're like samson we're coming to you stay right where you are as we got closer the emf detector sped up and i've never seen it react like that before like almost like You'd assume that the spirit was getting closer too, or more energy is being output, and there's an excitement factor there. Carol put the Bible right next to the thing, and it was going as fast as possible. And so, like, I'm like, what is even happening, you know? And it just hits me not to stand around and do the prayer, like, pray out loud, but it, and it also wasn't just to bring, like, the book as a trigger object, but it just hit me in my mind. I was like, I let's use it let's use all of it like all the good energy that's here like let's do what we can for the samson so we asked him to stay with us another emf detector starts going off in another room our k2 meters are going off katie who is very sensitive and ash who was too was saying that people were gathering around us to watch what was going on as i flipped to the page of, i think it was psalm 23 which is just the lord's prayer because i figured that would be as good as any and i'm i'm reading it and in my mind's eye again thinking back to like how this this looked when I remember it back it was like it's very bright in my mind like the memory I have was like we didn't need lights but then when you look back at the footage it's completely black and Carol's trying to help me see with a flashlight and we start reading the Lord's Prayer and Carol is um, reading it with me and I just get this great feeling inside my stomach and like it just feels right the EMFs are speeding up and it's wild and I finish the Lord's Prayer just crying because I had to pass all those bookmarks and I had to pass all my grandmother's notes in her cursive and in the the bind like the bindings and the the empty space there and there's notes that I'm reading and um, trying to stay focused on the Lord's prayer but it's just basically saying like Jesus loves you and I do too you know like those types of notes that I used to get in birthday cards are reappearing in this book that I haven't seen in years you know um and that's my really first moment with it. And so I'm having these experiences physically with my grandmother and I'm trying to perform a service for a spirit who may or may not be here, you know, for this Samson that wanted someone to pray with him. And I get this feeling that, like, don't stop, just keep going. And so I kept reading um, to, into the next Psalm and it seemed perfectly right. It was talking, the Psalm 24 was talking about opening the gates of heaven. 
<laughs> and it really felt like in that moment, it might have been happening, you know? We were sitting there and we were holding space for the spirit with matched with my grandmother's Bible, but in my heart, it was the love that she had with me too, putting it forward, you know? And as I'm reading this, um, nearing the end of this passageway, I'll never forget it as long as I live. The K2 meters and the EMF detectors and everything else that we had in the house slowly uh, began to wane. Um, The one in the next room stopped. Uh, Everything started to feel a little bit more calm. We, I finished reading it, and it was just slowly ticking by at that point. I was trying to hold it together. Um, this moment that I had with my grandmother's Bible, you know, feeling the memory of her in, within me once again, like she was alive, you know, uh, holding space for the spirit. And then uh, I think we all went around the room, and we, we said our, our peace to Samson and why he deserved to move on to heaven because he deserved it. Um, no one deserves to be earthbound after they pass away. And the last person to speak was Ashley, who explained to him the worth of a human being and his worth. And then she said, you are free. And every, every meter that was beeping stopped. And the feeling went away. And it was dark again in my mind, and it was quiet. And I don't know, something happened that night. And I think that because of my grandmother, because of my interest in the paranormal, if that's all I'm able to do is possibly cross one soul over that was trapped, it'll be enough. And I can't thank her enough for that, too. I like to think that Maybe she was on the other side doing a good old alley-oop. I sent one from this side and she, she caught him over there. Yeah. Would you mind, would you mind reading that, that song? Oh, damn, I could try, but you started the waterworks mode already, so... <laughs> <laughs> but like, if can I give you a hug real quick? Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bring it in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's still like CBS receipts in here too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I honestly haven't opened this up since that, that night, so. Really? Yeah, it was a big moment. <laughs> I kind of just had to let it be what it was, you know? But, like, when you look at these words, you know, it's just her handwriting, it was, like, great cursive, but I can barely read it. But the words that are important pop out, you know? God loves us all. That's just stuff that's, like, she took every space in this book to write notes. And, like, this was, this wasn't just a Bible. It was, like, a journal. It was her working through things. And, obviously, her story, important things, like, her orkin receipt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, what a, what a gift that is. Isn't this the, it's the best thing in the world for me, you know? It's just, it's perfect. Okay, so I'll try to do this. 
And I'll try to bypass her notes too because it seems like she has amended the Bible a little bit <laughs> in some places. Uh, so Psalm 23, the Lord, the shepherd of his people, which is the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's where I hope Sam is right now. She had this incredible ability to bend her beliefs around like her, her grandkids and the people she loved. So uh, ghosts and uh, everything that I'm doing with the paranormal was like a huge no-no. You know, we don't even talk about it growing up. Again, like I had when I, when I met that the picture of Willowbrook, I had no frame of reference that this was even could possibly exist because it was not talked about. But then I find an interest in it. She speaks her piece about how she feels about it and then supports me 100% all the way because that was my grandmother. So where we are now, it would be like, ooh, be careful. I know that you know what you're doing and I'd support you. And I truly believe that, so. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. For more of Ty and the award-winning web series Haunt Me, find them at haunt-me.com. For everything Euphemet links to our Patreon and social media, visit euphemet.com. The companion short film for this episode will be released as a part of a very special series in the coming months. Stay tuned for that. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.